Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the midweek TF3, where it's kind of three, but there's two and a one. Uh, and the one is Dave going to be dropped in every now and again. Having just watched the pictures uh, and, and the video that came from it, Kristen, it's concerning. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's it's the first steps into a, a real psychosis. That's what it feels like listening to it. Yeah, yeah. A genuinely worrying psychosis uh, for Dave. But anyway, the weekend's coming up. Hopefully he'll find some time to relax. What will he do? Probably talk. Um Great channel. Uh, anyway, Chris, a lot of football's happened this week, and there's a lot of football to come this weekend. Uh, what have you been? So, what have you kept your eye on football-wise this week? This week, I've been back to kind of Red Bull Leipzig, which I know Dave is is very fond of. Um, I actually read or Google translated to be more specific a decent piece in Portugal about Benfica's academy and how that's producing really consistently for them. I've also been delving into um, their cross-city rivals, Sporting, um, and just trying to work out how Sporting they, Benfica. Um, well, this is the thing. It's, is it, you're only supposed to call them Sporting Club de Portugal, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, All right, Brassel. He says with his Gorta Dortmund jersey on from yeah. four years ago. Do you really have um, one? Do you really no, have one? I don't. I've looked. At, I've looked for one a few times. Okay, um, yeah, me too. But but the consistency with which they produce is very impressive to me. I think eight of the starting eleven at the Euros in the final were Sporting Academy graduates. Um, and then actually, there's a few stories that I think we may try and do with TF3. So you've got the resurgence of Parma, who are now in the third tier of Italy. Uh, Italian football, yeah. uh, Venetia or the the team of Venice, who um, I know a few people working there now. It's owned by an American, and then also the fact that Dinamo Moscow are now in the second tier of of Russian football. There's there's a lot of good stories flowing around at the minute. It's it's a it's a good time to to be trying to find that off the beaten path stuff. And obviously all the chat about Mourinho, Chris. I mean, we'll let Dave get into that in just a second. But before that, there is kind of. You know, you did a, a video on TFR today, um, mm. and you also, you know, th- there's been a couple of articles about it. I think Jonathan Wil- Wilson wrote a headline: um, "Mourinho is no longer the bright young iconoclast." To some extent, that's true. Like there is a there, it's. I mean, you know, Wilson's written a lot about him, and I've I've listened to him speak a lot about Mourinho, mm-hmm. and he does tend to nail quite a lot about him. You know, I mean, I I always go back to the time when he compared Mourinho to Cleopatra. Um, mm-hmm. Because he is the sort of good-looking, 
you know, whatever it is you want to call them, that um, draws people in. And it's not always the deal, maybe, that you believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, th- at this point, obviously, you know, people are overreacting about the short-termism and the results and those sort of things. But it, I would, yeah, I, I see what you mean. I think, <clears throat> I mean, a lot of the comments on that video that, that you talked about were a mixture of he's lost his touch and then on the flip side of that, it's only three games. And I, th- I think I can, I can really see both elements because really it's not three games. We're looking at Chelsea too. We're looking at a season that went catastrophically wrong for him. And now he's changed clubs and you could argue, albeit on a small sample size, not a lot has changed. And as we discussed in, in the video <clears throat> itself, the fact that you know players are leaking information, that essentially information is seeping out of the club... That, which is a point I think Rory made very well, is not a Mourinho-like trait. And a lot of the things that we've come to associate with him and associate as positives are not as prevalent anymore or are kind of crumbling around him. And that's the difficulty. And I think that's where, where Jonathan has a point, that he he isn't that young iconoclast anymore. And, you know, it's, it's interesting you look at someone else that he studied a lot in Brian Clough um, and you wonder if there comes a point where a manager of that ilk, someone who has a very promising early career, if they reach that point where the ideas just stop working, where there needs to be an evolution, where there needs to be a change. And I, I remember Solskjaer saying that the best thing he ever learned from Sir Alex was the, the art of delegation. And it just made me wonder, and it's not something I've ever had the pleasure of being able to talk to him about, is, is how much did actually Sir Alex Ferguson involve himself towards the end? in that last sort of decade, if you will, or the last five years, how much was he involved in the day-to-day or how much was it about overseeing and taking care of maybe the intangibles that, that weren't as prevalent? Mm. And then obviously there's, the, there's, the, there's Wenger as well, who's celebrating 20 years. Mm. Um, and when he first came into the league, Chris, that's, that was almost, that was the funny thing, wasn't it? Was, and the same with Mourinho to many, uh, in, in many ways. You know, but their, their ways seemed new. But it's just that then when things begin to seem a little more normal or, you know, um, you know, you see their methods everywhere or people trying to ape their methods. Suddenly it, it doesn't seem quite as original. It doesn't seem quite as fresh, does it? No, it doesn't. And, and that's the thing. Uh, Rodney Marsh, the, the pundit and former player, put out a Twitter poll this week saying when Arsene Wenger retires, will he be remembered as an innovator or a nearly man? And I think it's actually a really good question. And it's the idea of, of your perception evolving through time. That's a, that is Arsene Wenger. It's someone that when he arrived, it, it's difficult for us, I think, to remember it in the moment because we were so young. And yet so many of his ideas were seen as groundbreaking and then taken on board by competitors and rivals. And you, you have to wonder, you know, how, for how long can you be innovative and, and how, for how long can you be at the forefront of things when actually everyone else catches you up. It, it can be difficult. You know, he was ahead of his time in the nineties. Now he's not. And, and that in itself plays into to how he's seen. And it's, he's still a very interesting man. I just question if he's the kind of winner. Um, and I think he said something similar to that this week um, about the idea of, of being loyal to, <clears throat> to his ideas to the point of a fault. 
Which I, I mean, that, yeah, I do find that unusual, those ideas. Good if Dave was here to discuss it right now. Sadly, he mm. isn't. But we can hear from Dave um, from just a couple of minutes ago when Dave recorded this ditty. Hello and welcome back to TF3. I am Lawrence McKenna and today I am joined by the one and only Kristen Hennage. All right, Lawrence, man. Nice to be back on the podcast. And as well, we have the stat man himself. It's David O'Brien. Oh, cheers, Lawrence. Um, you know, looking forward to the show tonight. Right, let's get to it. Let's go to the first game that we're going to talk about, and that is Manchester United versus Northampton in the EFL Cup. We well, yes, asked Lawrence, it was an interesting game. Um, you know, a game of very much dominated by Manchester United throughout the, you'd say, around 85 minutes. United dominated. There was only a brief spell. Towards the end of the first half, where United really lost their composure, uh, Fosu Mensa lacking a bit of uh, awareness and uh, you know getting done by the opposition winger should have been a little bit more mobile, a little bit more awake. Um, and then the goal, obviously coming from the penalty spot, but before that, it was a calamitous amount of errors that just flew in there. You know, Fusu Mensa not dealing with the ball when he could have cleared it, but initially the Rojo header that came back towards him. It was just incredible. A defender that's played for Argentina at a World Cup fails to clear the ball with his head outside the area. It's pathetic. And then, obviously, to Schneidlin after the Fusimensa, um, you know, attempt to clearance, Schneidlin attempt to clearance, and then Daly Blin just dived in when he should have maybe stayed on his feet, backed off, and, and not, not made a tackle. Um, but it was the rest of the game United pretty much dominated. Mike, Michael Carrick was absolutely pivotal to the performance and, and, and to the win, really controlling the tempo, controlling the flow. But also, also really getting United further up the pitch, something United have struggled with with Paul Pogba, dropping in deep in central midfield because nobody can find him. And this is going to be crucial for United to get the best out of Pogba is to play Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick in the Pirlo role, in the Marquisio role, feeding Pogba in between the lines. So, so, so flaming simple. Other pretty good, decent performances. Uh, Ander Herrera was very, very good. You know, may have watched my video um, uh, from the weekend about how I criticised him not failing to to play a full pass and, and play a pass into the box because he was absolutely brilliant on the ball, very you know very agile, was always looking for that pass inside the um, the right back and the uh, right centre back. You know the Marcus Rojo channel. If Rojo was you know had any composure, he would have potentially created a few goals. Amount of times that he was played in behind there, but it looked like a clear game plan from Mourinho, which is better considering the the lack of game game plan against Watford. Wayne Rooney again playing striker missed a pretty good chance inside five minutes. Overall, another frustrating day for Wayne. But uh, you know, Marcus Rashford, what a breath of fresh air again coming on. Really making the difference, you know, when the game was so frantic, when the game was, was nervy, when Manchester United needed to press on and needed to score the goal. Who popped up on the left wing um, after a quick break from Morgan Schneider? And it was Rashford, and, and he took his time, slowed the play down, played a simple pass back to Herrera, and Herrera smashed it into the back of the net. And it was a simple goal, but a goal that, that is born out of Manchester and born out of Marcus Rashford, a player that really has evolved, um, you know, since being integrated into the Manchester United team, but still does what the United, it seems like, you know, what he's coached to do in a way. Keep the game very very simple so the assist was really simple the goal was just determination sheer aggression to go and you know to go and beat the keeper to that ball a nothing ball from under Herrera but he went, shut the goalkeeper down and uh, went through and uh, a brilliant finish afterwards but again the simplicity of his of his play is something that I really like you know you look at Memphis Depay again so frustrating just trying too much 
Every time that he got the ball, it was always head down, looking to go or looking to create something instantly. He needs to take a you know a note out of Rashford's book in terms of how Rashford sometimes drops in between the lines, takes the ball, plays a simple pass and moves forward. Just do that. Make the defender think. Because quite frankly, at the moment, uh, Martial isn't making the defender think, and it's too easy for the defender to sort of go up and against him. And moving to France, um, we had uh, Nice versus. Uh, Monaco, uh, the derby, the Cote d'Ivoire derby, you think it's called something like that. Uh, but a very interesting game. You know, Lucien Favre, one of my favourite managers in world football, coming up against um, uh, Yardin, the, the Monaco boss. You know, Monaco just beating PSG in the league, beating Tottenham in the Champions League, in a run of brilliant form, top of the league. And they go to, you know, they go away to Nice, a team that's really uh, under a revival in recent years, some really good youth development in there, um, and some real good young players coming through. But, you know, they had Ben Arthur last year, who pretty much stole the show. Now, Mario Balotelli, I do say it, is stealing the show. A brilliant performance against uh, Nice, played, uh, sorry, against Monaco, played the centre-forward role to perfection, drifted um, to the right, sort of right back, right inside right channel where the... Um, Monaco left-back Sidibe was playing a little bit too aggressive and was uh, leaving Jemison exposed on the left wing. And Balotelli scored one of his goals from that position, a brilliant ball from Belhande, who I completely forgot had moved from Dynamo Kiev to Nice, um, clipped it over the top. But Balotelli was very positive, you know, playing one-twos with Belhande, getting into the penalty area and could have had a hat-trick, could have had four goals. Um, obviously, Nice had a penalty when he was off the pitch. So, yeah, could have very much easily turned this into a hat-trick. But the, the second Balotelli goal was something of, of Lucien Favre brilliance. Seen this countless times. Lucien Favre set up in a, in a 4-5-1 against Monaco, who's 4-4-2 out without the ball. Obviously, Bernardo Silva joining Falcao in that position. Uh, but it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, the uh, Monaco left-back against Sidibe was very aggressive, pressing the uh, Nice right wing-back and again opening up space. The right um, winger for Nice pulls into the space. Right wing-back inside, ball to Mario Balotelli, goal time. All from a throw-out from a goalkeeper, brilliant counter-attack. And that is why I love Lucien Favre's football, because it's so swift on the counter-attack. It's so good when the ball is at the feet of the players. Just all-round top coach Lucien Favre is, and he's showing it absolutely again. Other progressive teams that have really shown their, their worth in recent weeks for me is definitely Red Bull Leipzig. I keep talking about them, but they are just a joy to watch for me. They're so aggressive in the press. They play a, a sort of 4-4-2 um, system, but it's more of a maybe more of a 4-2-4 when they're pressing their, their front four players. When, when they, they see her, they sniff a chance out. They, they look to steal it so quickly and they break. And it's, it's almost like the first Borussia Dortmund iteration that Jurgen Klopp had um, over in uh, sort of you know mid Germany, that was such an aggressive team, so quick on the counter attack, and I just love that style of football. That they're very compact together. You know, look at the space between the, the strikers and the centre backs is about thirty meters in terms of width. It's the size of the penalty area from from left to right, and they're so good at transitioning. You know, moving as a unit to the left, moving to a unit as a right. But then when they nick it, they come alive. You know, the two wide players come inside and almost act as inside forwards. In a way, it looks a little bit like the Villarreal four two 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 system under Pellegrini that was uh, it was great to watch from Nilmar and uh, Giuseppe Rossi up front but when you've got a player of uh, Timo Werner's uh, quality that just looks so fresh this season in terms of his pressing his running and in if the ball's at his feet it, he just seems to find the back of the net at the moment again under the top performance from the young German star but I'm so impressed with Leipzig if you've not checked them go and check them out now Squawker Dave there from Dave Talks uh, Dave thanks a lot for your views uh, Chris, of course, uh, we're now going to pretend that we watched and listened to that. Um, mm. uh, but let's talk about someone who is new and fresh in the league and that people are excited over, and that's Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. Uh, they, it was a very easy win away to Derby County in the League Cup for them. Um, and 
you know, three nil in the end was good, but people are talking about a year ago now, Brendan was still there at Liverpool, um, mm-hmm. and and how far Liverpool feel they've come in a year. Yeah, that's you know that's the thing. It's it's it feels at times like a flavour of the month, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, because um, there was we, time when Brendan was flavour of the month. Exactly when he was you know close to sealing that title, I, I don't think there was anyone finding issue with what he does, and and that's where I look at the Guardiola. Mourinho debate and kind of discussion in general and see it as very much a case of the victor writing history at, at least at this point because you could you could say you know there was a point when Guardiola comes in when he uh, you know gets rid of Hart pushes him out and everyone at first is kind of quite um, defensive in, in relation to well you shouldn't be doing this there needs to be more loyalty at this point, they're winning games consistently. They're winning them actually quite comfortably. And I don't hear that same kind of chatter about how it was a, a terrible decision and it flew in the face of everything that you know they should stand for as a football club. It's a lot more positive now. And you know that's, that's the curiosity as well, is that I, I don't know necessarily why it manifests this way, but it seems as if we're more eager at this point in kind of football watching to deconstruct and analyse every sinew at every stopping point. We mm. almost don't allow for things to percolate and don't allow for things to just settle and accept that maybe Mourinho has lost his touch, maybe he hasn't. Well, maybe there are elements that, you know, elements that seem less now or elements that seem more. And also from the outside, three games in a row and you know the fact that the team are still trying to click and they're still trying to find a good system, even though mm. they've spent quite a lot of money in the summer may not be always a long-term issue. And also, you'd also be very... Um, you would be ill-advised to begin to criticise Mourinho too much because, A, like he probably says, that there are results that are on his side and I think he called the press naive or that they wrote 16 years off his CV at one point. Mm. Um, but at the same it, time, it, 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 that it does seems feel, mentality. It, it does feel partly... And I remember Michael Cox making this point a few years ago that we discuss more the things that happen outside of the games than the games actually themselves. And and it's funny, I had that kind of happen to me quite recently. I went to interview um, a player for DC United, Lloyd Sam, and I wanted to talk about his trade and coming back to the club that he left and all that kind of thing. And he had taken a few questions from a, a colleague and then asked him a few and he, at one point, he just said, look, I'm, it was two months ago. I'm really done talking about it. And at the time, I was kind of annoyed, if I'm honest. As, as time has progressed, I've respected that a bit more. But as he said that, a teammate of his chimed in and said, man, just talk about the game. Like, ask him about the game. And again, at the time, honestly, I was I was quite dismissive and thought, well, actually, you know, you're a professional player and, and all that kind of thing. And if, if it's within the remit of the sport, you should be willing to answer it. And yet, as time has progressed from that moment, I found myself flitting between the two schools of actually thinking, yeah, you know what, he's, he's entirely entitled to do that. But then also, why is it such a, an arduous thing to discuss something that happened fairly recently? So, again, I think that's the, the point that we're at now is maybe sometimes we do look to, to deconstruct something that isn't actually there. Or maybe it's just that, you know, uh, sometimes people don't want to give journalists a line. Uh, but you could put it either way. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's the thing is actually uh, very often Jurgen Klopp is willing to give journalists a line. Um, very often does. And at the moment he's giving them lines through the way that his team play. And that, I guess that's that's one appreciable thing about Jurgen Klopp is that, you know, when people are talking about the 
different style of football or he was talking about playing against um, Hull with a certain kind of, where can I find that quote, anger. Um, that I think, it, you know, it gives journalists a headline. At the same time, I think it expresses something to the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something very positive there. Anyway, uh, Brazilian combat front with uh, Firmino and uh, Coutinho was fantastic in that game. Origi's finish was something special. Not the first time we've seen Divock Origi finish like that. Um, and obviously, you know, it's very good. Anyway, uh, Moreno, Blonter, Adam Boltwood, done. Uh, Chris, Nottingham Forest nil, Arsenal four. Mm. Uh, 20 years of Wenger, but uh, this was a very fresh performance with Granit Xhaka scoring the first and Lucas Perez getting two. Yeah, Perez, Perez looked quite handy from what I saw. Um, he does look a, a good player that I think will give them some industry in the final third. Um, it was nice that he won around the time of the anniversary of his appointment because I think, I think he deserves as many positive memories as you can get at this point um the performance itself i think was good this could be a decent avenue for them to try for a trophy i also i think that there is a section of arsenal fans that will want more will want that league title because i think for them the league title is the validation of of their status as a big club and and also it requires much more consistency um you need to to do it across the space of 38 weeks or the majority of 38 weeks to win a league title. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I noticed actually watching some of the, the fan channels and such like after this, they were pleased with a lot of the intangibles they saw. So kind of the passion, the energy, that was what they wanted. Um, and, and to be fair, Xhaka scored a, a pretty decent call as well. I mean, it wasn't the greatest night for the goalkeeper, uh, Stojkovic, but even still, it was another decent finish from him. Um, and he seems to be grown into the team, which is nice to see. Yeah, obviously, on the next round, Arsenal play Reading. Uh, Arsenal's, well, closest London rivals. Spurs will play uh, Liverpool. Spurs, of course, Chris, winning, is it 5-0? Mm. Yes, very impressive performance from those guys too. Yeah, Marcus Edwards came on as well. Um well, well, the, the sort of, the, yeah, that, that, that weird mention of Marcus Edwards in the press afterwards, misre- misreading or misquoting headlines. Yeah, it was um, Pochettino, I believe, said he reminded him stylistically of a young Messi, um, which is um, a headline writer's dream, obviously. Yep. Um, and it's one of those things where when, when you kind of push yourself past the, the clickbait, if you will, it makes a lot more sense. Um, he does play in a similar style, I would say, to a young Messi. He likes to take lots of little touches on the ball. Um, He does also like to drive inside, having watched him. And he nearly scored a a really good goal, actually, against uh, Gillingham. So there's potential there. He is also exceptionally young. Um, And I think Edwards and players of his ilk, like Savonimer and these kind of guys, they represent a, a real... Uh, interesting kind of subplot for Tottenham because they have aspirations to be near the top they have aspirations to be in the Champions League and I completely understand that I think they are a team that's that's kind of worth that position it's then also difficult to blood young players when you have those goals um, because it's it's whether you have the patience, patience to persevere with them and I, I think we'll likely see 
if that's the case for Pochettino in the next kind of 10 to 12 months, because he's he's going to have to make some difficult decisions. He's going to have to try and manage things in a, in a new way. Um, and I think that'll be a, a good test for, for him as a coach. Yeah, obviously uh, with Spurs... Yeah, there's a lot. To, there's still a lot to come. Um, one quick mention, and we'll probably should go back to this. Uh, the Hillsborough victims mentioning that you know, obviously Spurs are playing Liverpool in the next round of the EFL. Uh, Hillsborough victims of post hostum post hostum hom hom homusly. Yeah, it's hum, hum, post homusly. Um, what's wrong with my mouth? That is pretty mad. Uh, or awarded freedom of the city in Liverpool anyway. Um, uh, the families of 96 who died in the stadium tragedy in 1989 um, were applauded at the ceremony in Liverpool, which was um, which also on a Kenny Dalglish, who was obviously a central part of uh, helping the city uh, recover from such tragedy, or at least trying to. Uh, some lovely visuals of that. Uh, if you go uh, to Liverpool Echo, um, a really nice and what was described uh, as a bittersweet ceremony. Um, anyway, move, moving on from that, there is a Manchester derby, Chris, in the next round of the EDL. Sorry, EFL Cup. Um, speaking of the EDL, uh, West Ham play Chelsea in the next round as well. Uh, and Chris, Newcastle United play Preston. What's going on at Newcastle? Um, <clears throat> I think there is a spotlight again uh, up against Rafa's rotation policy. Um, in the midweek game, the, the 6 0 against QPR, it seemed perfect. And then they go to Wolves and they lose 2 0 at home. It's the, the second time actually they've lost at home uh, since the season started. They didn't lose at all last time. They were in the championship at home. And I think at the minute, it's a lot of, to, to borrow an American phrase, it's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks um, who can see the problems, but only after they have the context of the game to apply them to. Um, and I think he is certainly someone that's trying to, to manage the squad from a physical point um, and, and make it so that, you know, you're not relying on anyone that's that's absolutely drained. I think just a bit of consistency will help at this point. I understand his need to to manage the games tactically as well and try and pick a team that he thinks will do the best job of stifling the opposition. I also think there comes a point where you have to be confident enough in the players that you have in their ability and arguably superior ability to name your best team and, and say to the opposition, OK, we think we can beat you and instead of trying to build a team or name a team rather that will be you. Very good point. Uh, let's for a minute take a very quick break and hear more from Dave, who's going to talk to us about his fan duel team this week. Dave? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome back to the part of the show where we are going to fan our jewels. Yes, it's the fan jewel time. Again, remember to, uh, if you're going to sign up to fan jewel, use the code I am the whole. Anyway, let's get to my team last week. So I went with uh, Bravo in goal, Collar of Stones and Carl Walker at the back. Midfield, Payet, Ozil, Leroy Fur and Fernandinho. Then a front three of Vardy, Benteke and Ibrahimovic. Unfortunately, not the greatest week for me. None of my strikers scored. Um, I did get my defence and my goalkeeper right. Obviously, John Stone's going off injured, which was unfortunate and did reduce my score. Payet doing well in midfield, but Ozil not uh, really impacting the game. Leroy Fur neither and Fernandinho a little bit too deep. For my liking, considering the uh, introduction of Gundogan and Kevin De Bruyne in that midfield. But anyway, in terms of tips for this week, um, I have obviously entered the £5 fan favourite with £6,000 worth of prizes uh, to be won. So remember to smash up, join that league and get started. Remember, this is to UK only. So let's get on to my team. So again, I've gone with the Manchester City defenders in terms of I've got Bravo, Kolarov and Otamendi in there to keep me some clean sheets and get me some extra bonus points, especially Kolarov moved into central midfield positions last weekend, so expect him to really rack up the points. Gone with Antonio Valencia at right fullback, so I feel Man United have a good chance of keeping a clean sheet in the early kickoff against Manchester City, but also in terms of Valencia going forward, he's been a pretty good outlet for Manchester United, uh, creating a number of chances, um, retrieving a few assists and so forth. Into midfield, I'm going to keep Dimitri Payet because I think he's uh, absolutely exploded into life since his return to West Ham United, and West Ham are very, very open and will score goals. Got Chadley in there because a very, very good choice at 5.3 million um, and then Moussa Dembele again 8 million another player that have just got in there in terms because of his um, you know the passes he'll complete the jewels that he'll win and of course I think Kevin De Bruyne is a, is a non it has to be in your side now because he just looks so hot for Chelsea right now goes to my forward line after my disappointing last week of scoring zero goals for my forward line I've gone with Diego Costa Charlie Austin and good old Troy Deeney that's my side let me know what you think obviously tweet at uh, at the front three account I am the whole and I could potentially give you a little few tips but anyway bye Dave there talking about FanDuel remember guys if you want to head over to the contest for us this week put in that if you haven't already signed up go over to fanduel.co.uk it's well worth a look uh, and you can sign up uh, £5 fan favourite 6k of prizes to be won to the top I think it's let me just check Yes, 336 managers. Wow. Uh, and that's the headline contest, so you can't miss it. If you do go over there and you do sign up, you're brand new, go and take a look. We would love to hear from you. Uh, I am the whole is the code. All capitals. I am the whole. H-O-L-E. Chris, going around Europe a little bit, let's quickly brush up on Mario Balotelli. Mm. A lot of goals in mm. roughly 90 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he didn't even score that many for Liverpool in such a long time. No, he didn't. They were good goals as well. Um, 
I haven't watched them. Um, it, it, uh, the funny thing is, I mean, we're covering it with so much, with so so much fervor, if you like. People are so excited that Mario Bellotti is doing that. First of all, some people are very happy for him. Second of all, some people sort of want to prove that, you know, oh God, he's a talent that you know, sort of, he's been kept down for quite some time. I think part of the problem, and you know, obviously the Mina Raiola quotes aren't helping um, because they are ridiculous. Klopp's system mm-hmm. was never going to match Balotelli, and it, he's found a place and a system where he fits. He does, and I think that's good for his career. I think, as you touched on there, the the quotes always seem to come at kind of the funniest times. So uh, Salvatore Bocchetti, who is a former teammate of Balotelli's under-21 level for Italy, um, he's come out and, I guess you could say, criticised him and basically said he has no brains. Um he said, Balotelli is a good player, but it's hard to achieve anything when you have no brains. Uh, once Balotelli threw a plate of pasta in Marco Motta's face just because he took it before him, and there were many similar cases. Honestly, it seems like so many people have a bad Balotelli story, um, and I think it would be naive to absolve him of everything and just kind of give him this free pass. There's clearly an issue there. We could deconstruct that for hours, I think, about you know his heritage and being accepted in Italy in general, and all all the kind of racial overtones that come with that. Um, I just think at this precise moment, he just needs that consistency. He just needs a, a place of stability where he's going to be appreciated. I'm not sure if he's ever really had that in his career. Yeah, very good point. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what about other agents making noise in the game, Chris? Dimitri Selleck. Um Do you have a strong opinion on this out of curiosity? Um, yeah, I mean, my opinion is essentially this. Um, Guardiola's right to take on agents and right to take mm-hmm. on an agent and a player. If it was Kevin De Bruyne and Kevin De Bruyne's agent, I'm not sure he'd be taking them on in the same way. Yeah, I could agree with that. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um it's it's a great opportunity to make a principled stand, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah, but why is the question? I'd wager because he hasn't always had the greatest relationship with Tura to begin with, Guardiola. Um, I also imagine he's a bit tired of listening to Selleck talk because this is, this is the other thing, is this is not the first time that Tura's agent has been very vocal in the press. Um, I'm not entirely sure if what he's doing is the most uh, beneficial to his client. Personally, I think he could be handling it much better than he is. I I just think for Guardiola now, he he knows he's not realistically in his team. I think basing the the start of the season, it's kind of been reaffirmed he doesn't really need him. Um, And actually, I wrote, I want to say about five, six months ago, uh, when they beat Sunderland 1-0, um, I was at the game, watched it, Turo was there, and I wrote at the time that he had no future at that club, and it was nothing to do with personal quarrels. Just physically, he trotted around like someone that was on the decline physically. And I think his absence has kind of reaffirmed that. He hasn't been sold yet. Um, I fully expected him to be in the summer. Yeah, me too. I found that a little bit unusual. This sort of, I mean, part of the reason I think he wasn't sold was, oh, is any other club willing to offer him the wages? Well, you know, this is the really funny thing. So you you say that, and this is why I don't 
believe that Selleck is operating in his best interest because he's trying to, whether intentionally or not, convince a club to invest a lot of money, be it in wages or transfer fee, in a player over 30 who you would argue is physically on the decline, who has relied on that physicality for a long period of his career and has an agent that will quite happily go to the press whenever he doesn't like the way that the grass grows. And that, for me, is not the best set of circumstances to be trying to negotiate. If anything, you want to make it seem like your client is really easygoing, very easy to work with, all that kind of stuff. Because this is going to be the last big contract of his career. I, d- I don't think he gets a, a wealth of them now. I think, honestly, he's, he's going to decline at quite a, a steady rate as his 30s progress. I, mean, I don't also think very he'll much be someone that lasts a long time. It does very much sort of show the, the more the point of view of the player and the um, agent more than the point of view of the manager. I mean, the manager has essentially said, you know, here's our principles. If you want to play again, good luck. You know, um, hmm. I mean, the, the part of it is also, though, Chris, I mean, the cynicism surrounding Yaya Torre at the moment is completely created by him and his agent. You know, it's not as if the club have sort of tried to put out any statements or anything. He's completely done this himself, his reaction to quite a few different things. It's also, a, I'd say there is a slightly different idea and culture there that Yaya Torre is adhering to, but it's not like he doesn't know about all, all the things that go on at City and all the things that go on at big clubs. You know, he's, he's used to it by this point. I just don't understand why he's acting like this and why his agent's acting like this. As good as his agent was in Magnum PI, I don't think he can still trade off that name. Um, that's the other thing as well, though, is that Yaya Turi has said very little. That, to me, is quite telling. Yeah, I I operate under a similar MO. The, the, the statements have rarely come from Turi, if ever. It's always come through Selleck. Yes. Who is also great in Friends. Um, ba, 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 I think I've Googled the wrong Selleck. Um... Oh, yeah, I just got that. Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> Sorry. Good brain wasn't plugged in. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of stuff obviously coming this weekend, Chris. Um, it's getting good. Let's put it that way in the Premier League. Um, we're we're sort of coming up to a point now, though, where there's a couple of teams who. Uh, have been particularly impressive. Everton is one of them. And then they, they had a ridiculous result the other night in uh, the EFL. And you sort of think, Koeman's still got this, right? And there are ele- I think Koeman's massively improving that club, mm. inch by inch. But how is he doing that, Chris? Well, he's building from the back. That's what he tends to do. Um, and that's arguably... You could, <laughs> it's arguably the perfect antidote to Roberto Martinez without wishing to kick the man while he's down. They were defensively poor. So down with the Belgium job. Um, God, I'm so down. um, Well, he's just not very highly thought of at the minute, is he? No, true. Um, And so, like I say, he was the perfect antidote to to his predecessor in that sense. And yeah, the game against Norwich wasn't the greatest for them. Actually, I think if you watch Murphy's goal, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, One of two twins, Jacob and Josh. and I had seen reports saying that there's a few Premier League clubs interested. Nickelodeon show for a while. <laughs> I think that was Drake and Josh. Um, but I think, as, as you say, it's, it's going to take time. I read something by Seb Stafford um, uh, saying, essentially, not to panic about Everton's transfer business. 
Because when the window shut, there was a lot of people thought they haven't really made the kind of improvements you expected. You know, where has the the big hundred million pounds gone that they talked about early in the summer? I th- I think sometimes growth can can happen incrementally and still bring success. I think personally that that Everton will do better than they did last season. There's also uh, I think a lot to be said for waiting for the right time in the market. Realistically, I know it sounds like I'm you know beating the same drum about the guy. I don't think Smoosa's soap is worth thirty million. Great. I think at least Yannick Bellassi looks like he's producing to the point where he could be worth around that figure. Um, maybe a little bit of a, a sort of premium placed on the top for the summer and the fact people knew they had money. I don't think Sissoko will ever reach that personally. I, th- I think he's a quite limited player technically. And I think that's his biggest shortcoming is he can't produce in small spaces when he needs to. So hang fire, wait a bit, see who becomes available in January, then next summer. And build progressively. Um, I think that's what they're doing, and I, and I don't see any huge concern with it right now. Chris, you follow uh, the Dutch league, don't you? Or do you follow the Dutch cup ties, though? Because this is where this happened. Uh, there was a red card given by a video assistant referee. Where was this? It, it's Willem. Is it Willem Twee? Yeah, Willem Twee. Yeah, it's not very tway, but yeah. Against Ajax, perhaps? Uh, yes, Chris. Uh, and... I did, I'll be honest, I did not see this line. I did see that Matthias De Ligt, I uh, hope I've said that correctly, um, scored on his debut, um, which Go was good. Because um, Leander Sherlackins, who is a lovely chap, I had the pleasure of meeting him in the summer, um, fellow Yahoo writer, uh, tweeted, you know, the... The, the production line keeps on, or the production wheel keeps on turning. So it's it's nice to see that because I, I don't think Ajax have had the greatest start to the season. Um, but uh, it's it is interesting to see that referees or assistant referees, excuse me, are getting involved in that way. I think I think in that sense, the officiate needs to be a team game as well. I, I, when we isolate referees and just have a go at them. There are times I just think that's not going to do anyone any good. That's just going to destroy characters. Yeah, and and then there's no point. In, it, it's really it almost goes against the whole exercise, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, there's almost no point. Uh, whilst we're in Europe, Chris, uh, just the other night, Atletico Madrid uh, went away to Barcelona and drew one all. Messi could be out for three weeks, um, and after that game, let me find the quote. Um, it, Essentially, uh, Luis Suarez was told, "You dived, you bloody clown," and that was from Luis. Uh, that was uh, from Felipe Luis. Did, didn't he? Didn't Suarez say it's a man's game or something along those lines? Uh oh, David Brent quote of it. Uh, I think I read that. Um, I mean, that mean aside, that? God knows. Um, I, I think yeah, Suarez blurs the lines. We've discussed this for years. It doesn't surprise yeah. me that I understand your opinion of uh, Luis Suarez isn't all that high. No, you know what it is. I, I think I think as as time has progressed with him, I've been able to separate the two identities and say he's a, a wonderfully talented footballer. Um, when he signed for Liverpool, I honestly didn't think his career would advance this far. Um, I don't think anyone. I think yeah, a lot of people thought he'd be at Liverpool for you know. Seven or eight years, because mm, that's the thing as well is that the Dutch league. I don't think anyone predicts that a player in the Dutch league would rise to this level. If that makes sense, I Absolutely. think that the 
the perception of that league has dropped quite considerably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, with that said, I can also say that as a person, I find them insufferable. Um, and I think if you can allow those two ideas to coexist, you'll you'll get on with things fine. Mm. And of course, Real Madrid lost their one hundred percent start to the league season. Uh, drawing one all with Villarreal. Villarreal looking very promising in that one. Um, however, on the weekend uh, before that, I think it was against Espanyol, Casemiro has broken his leg during that tie. Um, so not looking great for him in his position, considering he's broken his leg. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, in in other news, uh, Bayern Munich won 3-0 yet again. Um, Borussia Dortmund did particularly well. As well, which I think Dave may have already covered in the clip that we spoke to him about, but um, if memory serves me correctly. Um, and looking even further, Chris, uh, Syria, Juventus back on top. That was a good 4 0 win over Calgary. Calgary. Cal- Cal- it was. Uh, they, again, I don't think anyone disagrees. They, they nailed on to win Serie A at this point. Calgary. Um, Cal- uh, I, th- I think the, the bigger test for them just comes in the Champions League. I, th- I think in that sense, that that is their league title this season, um, because that's that's what they've yearned to win for a few years. Came so exceptionally close when they faced Barcelona, and it's also you could argue why um, why they bought Higuain as well. Uh, no, very good point. Um, yeah, and Higuain, yeah, well, he's Higuain, isn't he? Um, we would love to know what you guys uh, think of the weekend's action. So uh, do let us know for the Sunday review podcast. Chris, it's been good to have you tonight. What are you looking forward to this weekend? This weekend, I'm trying to think. Let me, let me actually pull it up. Um, there's the playoff race in MLS, obviously. That's really tightening up now. Um, there's a few teams still with hope. Seattle being the main one. Um, I think in the, the Premier League I'm also just on a personal level wanting to watch Sunderland um, just to see how this David Moyes experiment kind of pans out it's <laughs> David I, don't put that magnesium over there well, well it's you know it's it's the fact that he is seen as quite um, he's negative he's a clown now yeah which is unfair um, and quite pessimistic and you know I can't think of many Sunderland managers that have admitted they're in a relegation fight this early into the season. Um, Especially not considering the size of the club, etc. Yeah, and it, I think it, I think it did. I think it upset Sunderland fans because they are a group of supporters who eternally hope, and I, I actually quite admire that because there have been numerous times during the last few years. If you go back and listen to this, where I've said, "Yeah, they're down. They're as good as down," and yet they find a way. Um, to survive or succeed so that that for me will be quite interesting I also quite like it when Alan Pardew goes to the stadium of life mm-hmm. um, just because you know why not um, they remember him fondly there um, I think Liverpool Hull could be an interesting one I have a sneaking suspicion there might be a shock there um, oh yeah yeah I just have this feeling that Hull are, are still a little bit of an unknown quantity and I think Watching them midweek against Stoke, um, the the goal by Ryan Mason was absolutely brilliant. Um, I have a lot of time for that. Really, kind of 
reaching volley over the top of Shea Given, who unfortunately just seems to concede a good goal against him every week. Um, it's tough to watch. But yeah, other, other than that, there's not really a wealth of games jumping out. What I would say is actually, if our listeners have any suggestions, I am all ears. Um, because there is so many leagues to watch and so many to keep abreast of. Um, if, if someone thinks I'm missing a great game or they have a good reason, fire it through the, the, the Front 3 Twitter account or tweet me personally, whatever works for you guys, because um, I'm always eager to hear those kind of other perspectives. Mm, be good to hear from you guys. At K Henage, K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. Of course, you can tweet Dave, S-Q-U-A-W-K-A-D-A-V-E, Adam Boltwood. Great guy, he's away at the moment. He'll be back very, very soon. Um, and don't forget, we tried to record this podcast last night, but it didn't work. That's how much effort we put in. So when you when you complain about the poor audio quality or whatever it is that you want to complain about, yeah, hitting that button was free, wasn't it? So go leave us a review on iTunes. Um, it helps us get found, and we would love to be found by more people and grow this community of people who are starting football right now. It's been good to have you guys, but in the meantime, uh, enjoy the weekend's football, and we'll see you again real soon on T. F3. Enjoy your football. Well, that was a very good impression. Got really close to Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mike as well. That was really good. 